we realized that that was his way of reaching out and trying to figure out how to get rid of the pain. You know, when someone attempts suicide or does any other kind of behaviors that are self-harming, it's them really just asking for help in a way, in the only way that they know how, because they are hurting so bad that they can't find relief or believe they can't find relief any other way. And that was the case with my son. It was something he was hurting and so sad and couldn't see a way out. And that was his way of feeling like he would be less of a burden on everyone, including us, if he just wasn't in our lives anymore. Today's episode is sponsored by Inward Bound Mindfulness Education, IBME. Wondering what your teen is going to do this summer? Wish they had more, more focus, more compassion, more patience, more peace. Inward Bound Mindfulness Education understands and they offer exactly that to our kids. Through innovative formats and teaching frameworks, they teach teens and young adults mindfulness practices, practices they can use anywhere, anytime for ease and presence. Teens come out calmer and better able to manage stress and anxiety. They build deep listening skills, learn to navigate difficult emotions, and increase self-awareness. They feel more comfortable in their own skin. In fact, teens consistently comment on how much they love being in this community, feeling accepted and supported by peers and adults alike. And this summer, IBME is offering multiple in-person retreats, six throughout June and July. Attending retreat is a powerful experience where your child will learn mindfulness practices with the help of incredible staff and supportive peers. Visit ibme.com slash mightyparenting for details, dates, and registration. That's ibme.com slash mightyparenting. Hi, I'm Sandy Fowler, and you're listening to Mighty Parenting, a podcast where we explore parenting in a way that helps us and our kids find more happiness and fosters emotional wellness, even while solving problems with our teens and young adults. We learn through advice and stories from experts and other parents, and I'm so glad you've joined us. So welcome to Mighty Parenting, where we have real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults in today's world. Our conversation today is with Judy Davis. Judy is a motivational speaker, published author, and mental wellness specialist who is on a mission to create a space where mental wellness and stress-less living meet. You might remember Judy as being my co-founder here at Mighty Parenting, and we co-hosted the podcast in the beginning. And if you've been in my world for a long time, you may also know she is a dear friend. She has walked through the thick and thin of life with me since we met in college. And today, Judy is returning to Mighty Parenting to share a story of hope with us. So Jude, it's so good to be on the air with you again. It feels so good too. I can't even believe it's been, what, almost three years since. It really? It's been yes, three years. It it's has, been three it? years. Oh my goodness. I mean, life has changed so much, but it's like, it feels so good to be here and be with all your parents and just helping them do what they do every day, just a little bit better, (laughs) a little easier. 
<laughs> yes. And this isn't the story we're going to tell today, but Judy had to suddenly leave, well, not only Mighty Parenting, but our entire business when her husband was severely injured in an accident and he's, uh, he lost his leg in that. And so life was insane. And that's not even the story of hope that we're sharing today. <laughs> We'd have to do that another time. Today, we are talking about Judy and her son and his journey. And so, you know, Jude, we, you helped me create Mighty Parenting because we didn't want other parents to go through what you went through and what I had gone through with my kids. So tell us, you know, tell us what you and Jeffrey went through. What, what is this story? What, what happened in the Davis world? Well, you know, it's interesting because being a parent, especially of teens is challenging in and of itself. You know, there's so many things we're navigating and working on for us, things kind of I want to say um, exploded, but I don't use that ever since Jeff was in the explosion. So, but things kind of um, took a turn and became a lot more challenging when my son attempted suicide in his sophomore year of college. And that event kind of triggered us to see all that was going on with his mental health over the years. And we uncovered that he had been using prescription drug, prescription drugs. He was actually um, using Oxy as a way to manage and deal with what we now know was depression and a traumatic experience from when he was young. And a lot of layers in, we realized that that was his way of reaching out and trying to figure out how to get rid of the pain. You know, when someone attempts suicide or does any other kind of behaviors that are self-harming, it's them really just asking for help in a way, in the only way that they know how, because they are hurting so bad that they can't find relief or believe they can't find relief any other way. And that was the case with my son. It was something he was hurting and so sad and couldn't see a way out. And that was his way of feeling like he would be less of a burden on everyone, including us, if he just wasn't in our lives anymore. And so we got him help and life is very different now, but that's kind of the story that got us into, um, you know, back to your question on why we started this mission of ours to help parents not only understand the signs to look for, because in our case and so many other cases, we had no idea that he was using prescription meds and alcohol and risky behavior to deal with these emotions. We just thought he was a normal college student, just kind of doing the thing. And until he was in crisis, we didn't know. And there are so many things about his story because I knew you when this actually, when you talked to me about it, you said it started when he was eight. Yes. Yeah. So and we didn't how know. Does, yeah. How does <laughs> this, you know, it's like, Hey, just go, wait, wait, how can this path that leads a child to attempt suicide in college, how can that begin in an eight-year-old in, in a, a happy household? So I just, I, Actually, before we go there, we'll go there in a second. 
I want to talk just a little bit about who the Davis family is, because the way I always describe you guys to people is you're the family everybody else wanted to be. You know, this was mom, dad, a boy, a girl. The kids were super close. The family was tight knit. I was at your kids. I always thought they were equally likely on a Friday night to be out with friends or at home shooting hoop with their parents and have just as happy either way. Like it was a strong family unit, right. a close knit family unit of kids who were not weirdly close to their parents. I mean, they had social lives, they had friends, they had good lives. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, you always get like, how does this happen in this family? And And how does it begin when someone's eight? Well, first of all, you know, the thing that I've learned is, depression, addiction, suicide, mental health, it's not selective, right? It did it, you know, you can be the perfect family on the outside and what it looks like, or you could be just a train wreck because of everything going on. And the same things could happen. It's not selective. So that's, you know, that's the first thing that, you know, people always say, but you guys, if it can happen to you, how can happen it to anyone else? And I think that therein lies one of the underlying reasons why we were so vocal about sharing our story. Because if it can happen to us, and we had those open lines of communication with our kids, I know you talk about it all the time in Mighty Parenting, we created that space that our kids could come to us And just because we created that space and had that open line of communication doesn't mean that he was ready to come into that space and be really vulnerable. One thing I have learned over the years, not only from my son, who's been 10 years sober and things like that, what I've learned is until a child is ready to get help, they become master manipulators. And they will tell you exactly what you need to hear. They will act exactly how you need them to act and live their own private hell somewhere else. And I think that that's, you know, you asked how it happened at eight. I think that that's when it all started. My, um, we had pulled our kids from a private school, not realizing that there had been serious verbal abuse from a teacher that he never shared. We just saw such a change in behavior that we pulled him. And then within six months, he was back to my normal kid. But he carried that trauma silently within himself over the years. So it was only until when my father was diagnosed with cancer and he was really close to him that it kind of escalated to the point where he couldn't deal with the thought of losing grandpa and began swiping his pills. And when he felt better, it was great. And then he got hurt um, with a soccer injury. And I remember the day that I gave him the oxy that the doctor prescribed. And he looked at me and said, this is the greatest shit ever. And That is the moment that I believe his inability to cope became addiction because he found the thing that took away the pain and began using it 
instead of dealing with what was going on. And he did it behind our backs. And that's how we didn't know, you know, certain drugs or alcohol, you can tell prescription meds like Oxy, you can't tell they don't smell. The kids can, you know, function on them. You can't always diagnose. I remember asking his therapist, how did I not know? And she looked me straight in the face and said, because he didn't want you to. Pure and simple. So it was, you know, lots of layers there, um, but it can happen to anyone. And that's why it's so important to talk about it as a community, because we need to let people know that this isn't something to hide away from. It's our mental wellness that's at stake. And our kids are suffering and we've got to find better coping skills and coping strategies that we can share with them. And one of the things that you taught me as you went through this journey was that when a child has an addiction or depression or suicide ideation or attempt suicide, it isn't just them who has work to do. You did immense amounts of work on yourself. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it's, it was kind of, it's really easy. When, when he went into treatment, we had, I remember having our first family kind of counseling session, which is often very um, common when your child starts getting therapies, just so parents know as they're hearing this. If your child's in crisis, um, the best thing to do is get them in and get them help. What that often entails is a meeting of the minds of the family so that they can understand. And in that first meeting, my son looked at me, you know, I asked him, how did, you know, how come you never came to me? We talk about everything. And he looked at me and he said, because I want, I manipulated you to help me do whatever I wanted to do. And you let me, it was his way. He wasn't ready for help because he believed he deserved to feel the way he felt. He believed that there was something wrong with him and he wasn't ready to say, I'm not okay. Because he was just happy getting high and escaping and doing that until it combusted. So in that session, I, it was a light bulb moment. And I think this might be what you're referring to. I realized that much of the behaviors that I had done to quote unquote, help alleviate his pain and help him deal with life. Cause it wasn't like he was just always happy go lucky, right? He had his challenges and he had his difficulties But I felt like if I helped more, I would be able to lessen his burden and lessen his stress. He was diagnosed with anxiety. And that was something that, you know, I could help him with, right? And what I quickly realized was that my helping, the way I was doing it was actually enabling him. And he used that to manipulate me to do the things he didn't want to do. So until I made the choice to begin to let him 
One, have consequences of his actions. Two, I didn't realize, and this I think was the big thing, I didn't realize that by me helping, I unknowingly was giving him a message of he wasn't able. By me stepping in and cushioning the blow and helping him get his college essays done and helping him with that paper because he was overwhelmed or helping him figure out how to schedule his time, I was giving him the message that he couldn't do it. And so as soon as I pulled away and began setting healthy boundaries and saying, I know that you can do it, he wasn't going to get better until he took responsibility for his life all of his life, there is no way he would get better. And I mean, that came down to, um, I remember right after he got out of, he was in a inpatient program and he got out and went to a sober living home and facility. And it got to the point where he wasn't getting a job like he was supposed to and all of that. And he called me and he was broke. You know, we set him up with one month of food and one month of rent and said, you know, get your act together because the rest is on you. He called me up and he was hungry. And because I had done all the work on myself, I said, I need to take a moment and I'll call you back. And of course I called our family therapist and said, what do I do? And she says, he learned how to get money for drugs and alcohol. He can learn how to find money for a peanut butter sandwich. Don't send him a penny. Oh my gosh, this is the hardest moment of my life. You have a hungry kid and you're choosing not to feed them, right? It's against all the mama-ness in me. And he will tell you to this day that that moment when I said, I'm sorry, you chose not to work. You've had 30 days and you chose just to wait and see if we would help you, you're going to need to figure out how to do it. Now, I didn't send money. The next day I did send a box of food (laughs) because I couldn't do it, not do anything. But the thing was that he realized that I was making changes. The next day he went out and got a job and That's, you know, two days later, he got my box of food that tidied him over till his first paycheck. But it was that moment of, until I was ready to look at how my behavior contributed to the problem, there was no way that he would be able to be where he's at today. And I think that's such an interesting space to hold as a parent to go, okay, my behavior is contributing to the problem and yet to not take blame for their actions. Right. And that's hard. That takes a lot of work. Like you said, it took a lot of therapy, a lot of calling my friend, Sandy, (laughs) you know, and, and things like that. You know, none of this is easy. You know, I just want to say that to all the parents, you know, if you find that you have a child that is having some challenges It may not be as severe as my son's. It may be more severe. When you're dealing with challenges, taking a hard look at ourselves and 
how we parent and the patterns that we bring along for the ride from how we were parented, that's all tough work. And it's often kind of skimmed over that it's not part of the process of really helping your kids grow into the best people they can be. We play such a part in their growing up. We also have to play a part in launching them. Yeah. So let's talk right now about what life's like now. You've told us this obviously was a difficult time (laughs) and it was not a difficult time for a few months. This was years of a difficult time. Yeah. And you said he's 10 years clean and sober now. Mm -hmm. What does Jeffrey's life look like now? Oh my gosh. It's, it's the life that I get all teary-eyed here because I never thought it was possible from where he was. And that day I got the call that brought me to my knees, literally. Where he is now, he is happily married to his best friend, love of his life. She's incredible. We, We love her. She is someone who lifts him up and kicks his ass all at the same time, which is great. He is taking his life experience and using it to help other teenagers. Um, It started with him working with us at, you know, in the suicide prevention and speaking at different universities and colleges and things like that. But he has become a certified addiction counselor who runs the um, sober program at a at crisis high school in Austin, Texas. So he spends his days helping kids that are feeling just like he felt when he was in high school, helping them see that there is a better way and that there is a program they can follow and there is um, things that they can do to take responsibility and find that joy. He is, you know, he laughs now and he you know, sure, there are dark days, there are days that he struggles. I mean, his depression isn't going anywhere. That's something that he has a chemical imbalance, but he embraces it instead of ignores it or tries to escape from it. And I think that that is the part that as a parent, I'm even more proud of than anything. He has taken the time to know himself and see his strengths and his challenges, and he embraces them all and lives a life of giving back. And I think all of us have stories that can change the world and to see him making an impact on other kids. It's all I need. (laughs) You know, it's, that's the hope. The hope is that your child come grows up and becomes the, um, a part of the world that is a good thing, right? That is a giving thing that is, that makes an impact in a positive way. And I get to see him do that day after day. And he's still my kid and drives me crazy. (laughs) You know, sometimes I'm like, dude, what are you doing? But, you know, that's just the reality of it all. And I think that our entire family having 
moved through this has made us closer. It helped us deal with the, the tragedy of my husband's injury. Um, it helped us live through military life. I, I think that us getting through it together made us stronger as a family and closer in a whole different way. And who do you feel you are after that journey? I'm me. I'm the person that I always wanted to be. You know, our kids, I think we're given children that test us in areas we need to grow and make us feel good in our strengths of helping them become the people they are. And moving through all the tragedies that we have as a family, it's made me realize that I can be me and that's okay. And sometimes that looks kind of bumpy. And sometimes that looks like people look on the outside, like you said at the beginning, look at our family and be like, they're what everyone wants you to be, wants to be. And sometimes I am that person and sometimes I'm not. And all of it is the way we all are. And I think that that's been the gift is that things can happen that are really crappy in our lives. And what you do during those times is your grit. It's who you are. It's, and you don't have to do it alone. There are tons of people that have helped us through my son and through my husband and things like that. People that have been walked alongside us, pulled us through and, you know, shoved us when we didn't want to go, but it's, that's life, right? And it's not perfect. It's not pretty all the time, but I think you can make it rewarding and you can grow. And I think that that's what the journey is. And that's what we have. We live day to day. And why we share it. You know, people think we're crazy. Why do you share all the shit that happens in your life? And I think that that's why. It's just because so someone out there realizes what they're going through in this moment is something that they will look back on and say, wow, I was really strong then. And my crisis might be someone else's lifeline later. And some family will be listening to this podcast today and their child is in trouble. And I'm saying, just keep creating that space because what they will come to that space when they're ready and willing and able to do the work to get to the next phase of their life. I wanna thank you for always being so open with your life and your stories. And also Jeffrey, because this is his story. And he is also, you know, from years ago, he's been very public with it for the same reasons. And you guys are just awesome. And I know Judy, you are in another new incarnation now after, you know, coming back after Jeff's accident and your health issues after COVID and you're finally back to you. And so would you share with everybody where we can find you now to see what you're up to with mental wellness and stress, less living and all that you have going on. You can find me at davisinspired.com and connect all there. Um, I, you know, I am really 
passionate about helping people find that balance in their life between mental wellness and stressless living. It doesn't have to be crazy and you can go there and get tips and strategies. Follow me on social media. You'll probably laugh at some of my stuff. My kids actually tell me, mom, you are too old to be on TikTok. Well, I don't care. I am on TikTok (laughs) and just keeping it real and sharing tips and strategies. Um, And I would love, you know, to help any one of you that are listening today and, you know, share your story with me. And if I have tips and strategies um, to help you feel better, I'm happy to share them. Well, thank you again, Jude. I, it's so good to be out here with you again. And like I said, I so appreciate all that you do for the world. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And I love what's happened to Mighty Parenting since I left. Sometimes I'm like, oh, she's just flying without me, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but I love your mission and how you have just taken it to a whole different level. And, um, the parents that you're helping just makes me so happy. So thank you for what you do every day. And thank you, mighty parents. You guys are it. You're the ones who are showing up, who are listening, who are saying, I'm ready to hear this. I'm willing to do some work myself. So thank you for being here. And remember, you already are mighty parent. You got this. And I will see you next week. Mighty parents, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. If you're ready for more, visit MightyParenting.com where you can get your free email series, How to Talk to Your Teen, with tips for communicating with your teen in a way that builds connection and communication. And of course, remember to share the podcast with another parent to support them on their parenting journey.